I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out With Jimmy. It's the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you in the hopes that everybody, whether you're in the closet or not, know you are not alone. Go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe. If you don't, I question your sanity. And while you're there, write a nice review as I just insulted you. It would really help and uh, give us as many stars as you possibly can. This week, Robert York is out with Jimmy. I'm Robert York. I'm uh, vice president with Capital Pride Alliance, uh, one of the vice presidents. And uh, my day job is with NMAC, the National Minority AIDS Council. So I'm a development director, and then we're also doing a lot of uh, special events here and around the country. So you're doing uh, good work for everybody all around, right? I'm trying to. It seems that way. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Robert. The first person that you looked and admitted to that you were gay was who? Wow. Um, I would say that that was probably my uh, best friend uh, of over... Uh, 30 years now, uh, back in Oklahoma, and it's um, after I realized that I was gay, and probably one of the first gay people that I met in Oklahoma. Uh, we thought we were going to go out on a date, uh, but that didn't really work out. How did you meet? Um, how did we meet? We actually met uh, the old-fashioned way. Uh, this was before, you know, any of the online stuff was happening, and uh, we met at uh, one of the clubs in, in Oklahoma City. Now, what year was this? 1991, 92. Am I wrong in thinking there were not many gay clubs in Oklahoma City in 1992? Uh, y- you would be wrong. <laughs> I would be. I'm, really? Yes. Why is that a surprise to me? Um, I think it's a surprise because even in, you know, the 80s and the 90s, um, you know, Oklahoma City was still going through all of this, you know, pain and kind of growth. And even when people were, uh, you know, getting sick and they were dying from HIV and AIDS, um, the Daily Oklahoman would not uh, print those obituaries. And so people were, you know, finding a way to escape. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, 39th Street Northwest was, you know, the haven for the gay community and the gay clubs. And, um, well, I apologize that that is news to me that there that. Oklahoma City had a thriving gay community. That's great to hear that. Well, they did, but, you know, it was one of those things like, you know, you need to park like three blocks away. You need to, you know, kind of go through, you know, the back alley and this alley to, you know, get to the front entrance. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something that they really promoted, but that's where everybody was like, okay, I want to go, but I don't want to be seen going in and I don't want to be photographed and I definitely don't want to be on the news. I understand that, and we're going to get to a story that you have that is um, that you'll know. I understand what he means by that, one hundred percent. So, how old were you when you came out? Uh, it was about twenty three, twenty four. And when did you first know that you were gay? Oh, junior high. What was the first moment where you thought that? Um, I think because of my strong athletic background and being in sports, you know, all through, you know, childhood and junior high and high school, um, it just became more clear to me, you know, with competing in sports. And I was like, well, I'm not really interested in cheerleaders, you know, more interested, you know, in what's happening with, you know, the football players and the baseball players, my soccer teammates and, you know. No singlets, no wrestlers? No, no Uh, wrestlers, no. Um, (laughs) And... Were you one of the f- folks, like many of us, who thought, I wish I wasn't gay? 
I wish there was something I could do. Can I pray the gay away? I wish I was straight. I wish I could have a wife and kids and the white picket fence. Absolutely. And being in Oklahoma, uh, you know, throwing the Bible Belt of America and then growing up as an Assembly of God, you know, uh, child, you know, with my uh, parents and my grandparents and, you know, being in church every week and being a church leader and being uh, president in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes all through high school. I mean, it was just like compound after compound after compound. And, you know, there were days, you know, you know, running to the altar or, you know, trying to be more involved with the church and trying to, you know, just mask and hide. Because you probably in your mind thought, I've got to pray. I've got to get the devil out of me. Well, I mean, that's what we were taught. Yeah. In that. Every altar call. No. <laughs> uh, um, and when did you let that go and you, and you felt the freedom of being out? Um, I think for me, um, there was a time where right after high school, I thought I was ready to come out. And then I got terrified uh, just with college and, you know, uh, Oklahoma City being kind of a small town feel. Uh, and so I, I kind of came out and then I didn't. And then I went to college and uh, I would say probably halfway through, uh, you know, my sophomore, junior year, I was like, I'm not sure what's happening with me and I'm not sure where I need to be. And at that time, I had a girlfriend and, uh, you know, very involved with the fraternity, uh, very involved with the sorority life, the Greek life on campus. And um, I switched colleges. And I actually shared my coming out story in an anthology book uh, with Shane Winmeyer uh, called uh, um, Out on Fraternity Row. And um, for me, it was just, uh, it was difficult because I wanted to come out and then I knew what some of the re- repercussions would have been. And then when I got to my second college after I transferred, there had been another fraternity member from another house who had been uh, found out, uh, you know, by his brothers that he was gay. Uh, And I think it was an instance where they walked in on him and somebody else. And so uh, that story was very sad and very tragic because he actually committed suicide. Um, And so when I... When I was finishing out my last two and three years at that college, I became even more closeted uh, and more uh, protective about my space and who I was because I didn't want to be a statistic, uh, you know, like that. And I definitely didn't want to, you know, be on the front page of the paper or, you know, be the rumor mill. And uh, so leaving Oklahoma City was probably my way of saving myself because I felt like if I had stayed there, I, I might have been that statistic. Now, Robert, um, I say this all the time. It's never been better for people under that umbrella of the LGBTQ than right now. Never. Although, it's not perfect. And right when I started the podcast, and I had already had it in plan and I wasn't going to start, there was a young man who was outed on social media and killed himself. Kid. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Still, in 2019, it happens. And it may, and so many people I have on this show, um, if they had a good experience, they're apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, my, my life isn't like most. You know, my experience isn't like most. My parents were okay or my parents were loving. And it's sad that they have to apologize for that because people who didn't have that experience should look at them with pride that, thank God, there are people who did. 
and I hear your story, and I'm going to piggyback with my story. Um, I mentioned this before. Broadcaster moved here in 1997. Here is in Washington, D.C., and didn't come out till 2007. That's a long time. I had girlfriends. I consider myself bi. Um, but occasionally, you know, you know, you had an itch that needed to be scratched. And this was before Grinder and Scruff and Manhunt and all that stuff. This was, you know, the, the only way I could fool around or have fun was it had to be someone I knew from a different world. Well, I didn't know anybody here in, in Washington, D.C. And there was a radio show in town that outed somebody in Baltimore. And in 1997, if I would have said I was bi or gay or anything, I would never have gotten the job I had. Never. And I was terrified. And this is not after, long after Ellen came out and lost her show. So I was very, very hidden, and it was a concern of mine all the time. It's not like I thought about it occasionally. It was something I thought about all the time. And somebody I knew from Mix, uh, 107.3 where I worked, told me about a, um, this place, Secrets, that's still there, right? Secrets, uh, it moved. But did they tear that down by the... No, it's still an operation. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, and now it's over by the... It used to be exactly where the baseball stadium is, which is very strange. <laughs> the stories that that street could tell. Um, Absolutely. You <laughs> share your story. So um, it was back when it was mixed 107.3, uh, Jack Diamond Show. Uh, I was lucky enough to be one of the... Um, Guest for the morning show on a Free for Friday. All Friday. Yep. Free for All Friday. And I had gone because I was with the Washington Freedom and I was, um, you know, professional mascot. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go check it out. And then I got to meet you and I got to meet Jack and the rest of the cast. And then fast forward, I don't know, maybe two months, three months later, I was like, oh, we're out of the gay club and there's Jimmy Alexander. And so I recognized you. And I'm not sure if I said hi or if I didn't, uh, but for me, you know, the stories of people being outed and what I went through, I was like, it is not my place to steal that moment from you for coming out. And so when I did see you, I was like, well, maybe he's just out, you know, having fun. But then I kind of saw the interaction that you were having, and I was like, well, I think Jimmy's gay. <laughs> what interaction so, was I having? Do you remember? You can tell me. What was I doing? I, I think you might have had a few dollars out to tip the dancers. Oh, I'm sure I did. Yeah. Oh, well, then, I, yes, I'm. <laughs> yes, so, then, yes. Well, I'm a generous sort. Yeah. Um, fast forward many years, and I was, after I came out, you came up to me at a, a Capital Pride event. I did. And do you remember what you said to me? I'm happy to see you comfortable with who you are or yeah. the fact that you finally came out. Because you told me that you had seen me at that, at that club and you didn't say anything and that you're happy. And that means so much to me and that meant so much to me that night that I tell that story all the time. Um, because it, it's a very lonely feeling when you're in the closet. And, and um, I talked to so many different people here on this podcast and they go, well, I didn't know there were other people out there. I thought I was the only one. Um, one person said this. Parent said there's, you know, maybe a hundred in the world. Yeah. And then you come to Capital Pride, <laughs> and that's what I love is so many different people 
have said their first moment of being proud and being happy that they're gay was coming to Capital Pride mm-hmm. and knowing they are not alone. So thank you for all the work you have done in your career. <laughs> I mean, and I know that what I've <clears throat> learned on this show is no one likes compliments. It's, it's uncomfortable. But really, Capital Pride means so much to so many people, gay, lesbian, straight, uh, trans, pan, any uh, acronym you want to use, you're doing such great work. Well, I think the community uh, as a whole is doing great work. Uh, I mean, we have uh, really strong, committed, talented volunteers who have been with us from day one. You know, we're coming up on the 45th anniversary. Um, you know, just being able to have that experience with other volunteers and, you know, people being able to come to a table or come to a meeting, come to Pride, and have that affirmation that they haven't had before, I think uh, is not only, you know, life-affirming, but life-changing. I mean, I know for me, you know, I never thought I would be, you know, the kid from Oklahoma City that would move to D.C., you know, um, again, because I felt like I really needed to survive. And, uh, you know, I got here, and I only knew two people. And I was like, well, I have to make this work, and I have to make my own path. And so, you know, I started volunteering and getting involved as much as I could. Uh, I applied for the job of executive director for Capital Pride twice and got turned down. And uh, it was only, uh, you know, after being uh, within the organization of Whitman Walker that I, um, I applied for the third time when it came open, and the third time was the charm. Uh, I, when I first came out, I said this out of ignorance. I said, well, it's not like, you know, yeah, but it's not like I'll be marching any parades. And then I guess when I came out fully, um, it was between one pride season and the next, one year. And um, I went to Atlanta's Pride. And everything I thought Pride would be, jockstraps and, and harnesses, which there are luckily some of that, and I'm a fan. <laughs> but what I was not prepared for was the floats with churches. Mm-hmm. And seeing like, oh my God, there's a Catholic church, the Lutherans, the, uh, the, the Mormons, the, a, a float with um, a, a temple. I was not prepared for that. And then I was not prepared for Coke and these corporations, which there is a, um, and I'm saying this as me, Jimmy, not, this is not a, uh, I know this has nothing to do with what Robert says. We've never talked about this. Um, But go back 10 years ago, go back 15 years ago, go back 20 years ago. Um. In fact, let's go back to 2015 when I talked to a radio consultant, Mm -hmm. and he asked me if I was married. I'm like, oh, dear God, no. And he said, why? I said, well, my people just got the right to get married not too long ago. And he said, well, you know, the job you're talking to me about is a family radio station. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, somebody gay on the morning show. And I said, well, wait a minute. Do you think I'm going to talk about leather bars? you know, uh, every day on the show, which later on the Jack Diamond show, I did talk about the Eagle, but that's a different story. (laughs) But the only kind of radio I ever did in my life was family radio station, talking to family, talking to people who are driving their kids to the car. That I have families too. And 
so I look at big corporations when they're involved. I looked at Walmart when they did the commercial geared to gay folks with pride because it wasn't that long ago you hid that or you'd get fired. And I think it's great that companies and banks and, and airlines, that they are putting not only their, their um, money but their power of uh, publicity and the power of their workforce into pride events and mm-hmm. into um, helping members of the LGBTQ. I think it's great, and I'm proud. And I, when I, and the other thing I always say is, um, I'm not a type of person who gets teary-eyed. But when those P flag moms walk by and they give hugs, I've never, even right now, I've never felt, I've ne- never not felt my tight, my uh, throat tighten up. I mean, it's yeah. special. Well, P flag, and I think even Trevor Project. Yes. And- and just really brings out, you know, a lot of the relationships that we wish we would have had with our parents. Yeah. Um, I I think I got really lucky. Uh, my mom and I, and now I'm probably going to get teary-eyed because I lost her last year. But I'm she very was, sorry. Um, she was really the biggest cheerleader for me, and she helped me, she helped me bridge that gap of coming out. And so when, when I did fully come out, you know, uh, it was uh, with her blessing. Uh, not at first, because, um, you know, she said, I, I just don't understand why you've never told me. And I said, well, Mom, when when I was a kid, I distinctly remember being at a diner. And, uh, you know, my mom was not the typical mom. You know, she drove an 18-wheeler, uh, you know, cross-country, did all of this, like, you know, uh, construction work and uh, earth-moving equipment. And most guys quit, you know, their jobs when they saw her, you know, outperforming them. Uh, but we were at that diner that day, and um, two guys walked in, and I don't know if they were a couple, but they, they, were, they were gay, or she presumed that they were gay. And she just looked uh, over, you know, and kind of shook her head and kind of, you know, had disgust as she picked up her coffee mug, and she said, if you ever turn out to be that way, don't, don't come home. And so... Um, yeah, when she uh, when she helped me, you know, bridge that gap with her, I said, "Well, uh, that was the defining moment, and why I've just really been so uh, guarded with you, and you know, as well as you know, the family and my dad being retired military, and just you know, again, the Assembly of God Church, and um, she took a lot of uh, guilt with that and a lot of fault, and blamed herself for probably six eight months." And once we got past that hurdle of not blaming, you know, each other or, you know, me blaming her, her blaming me, we became really close friends. And so um, she was always the biggest cheerleader. She was always happy about what we were doing with Capital Pride. I bet immensely proud, immensely proud, making the world better. That's right. And when I say you, I mean the royal you as in Capital Pride and also your other, um, your full-time job. And explain what that is. So National Minority AIDS Council, we are uh, doing work across the country, uh, and really uh, it's HIV education and AIDS awareness and being able to provide programs to the community and eradicating, you know, and eliminating uh, HIV. Um, You know, we're hoping to do that by 2025. Uh, I will say that uh, the plan that we have has been in effect before it was announced by a certain occupant at mm-hmm. uh, 1600. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the work has been ongoing. Uh, we have a very talented staff. We have a great executive director. 
um, and my work, um, you know, in that field of HIV uh, and AIDS has been ongoing since Oklahoma when I was involved with regional AIDS interface network. And, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm on PrEP and I talk about, you know, the fact that even when you're negative, you still need to be able to help the community as a whole. Yes. Because I think it's, I think it's all of us working together to uh, put an end to HIV. And so um, I think there was just uh, a time in my life where I was like, I, I was really fortunate and blessed to be at the right place at the right time, uh, numerous times. And so now my life has been about doing community service and giving back to the community and having a greater impact with the people that I work with. And doesn't that make life worth living? It does. Who was the first celebrity you looked at and thought, I like that? That's a very nice-looking thing right there. Um, I'm probably getting in trouble for this. Uh, it was definitely from the uh, Dukes of Hazard. Bo Duke? And, and it was Bo Duke. <laughs> very wise pick. Yeah. Because um, the uh, funny thing about that, and if you have HD now, you can go back and watch some of those episodes. If I ever interview John Schneider, I'm going to ask him. Was he wearing Trophy Boys back then? Because that was a lot like <laughs> Andrew Christian. Th those are nice, fitting jeans, as right. that country song says. Right? I mean, that was like, wow. Yeah. Good for you. You moved to D.C. Did you join the, the community Im immediately, the gay community? Um, I wouldn't say that I joined it immediately. Uh, my childhood sweetheart, Beth, uh, you know, was living here, and, and God rest her soul. Um, she committed suicide. Oh, I'm very sorry. Um, probably... 12 years ago now. Uh, but, um, you know, I arrived and I was here on that Saturday. And this is no surprise uh, to all of my soccer family with FTC, FTSC, um, you know, triangles. Um, but um, she had gotten the blade and she said, hey, I, you know, I've gone through and I think here are some things that you need to check out. And I said, well, you know, need to kind of, you know, get settled and get the dog settled and, you know, have some dinner. And she said, well, there's soccer practice tomorrow um, at 11 o'clock. And I was like, okay, if we get up, then maybe I'll go check it out. And so we got up, and I was like, okay, we'll go check it out. You know, I've only been here like 16, 18 hours. Uh, get down to the mall, and uh, Beth is with me, and I have all of my soccer gear, and I'm uh, over on the sidelines kind of putting on my shin guards, and me there who was um, running a lot of stuff with the club at that time ran over, and he was like, hey, um, are you interested in, you know, picking up in the game? And I said, yeah. He was like, well, I just need to let you know that we're a gay team. And I looked at Beth, and I was like, that's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, um, for me, the Federal Triangles um, has been my first love uh, with D.C. because I remember vividly being on the National Mall. We're playing soccer. I look around. And it's other gay athletes like me. And that was like the first chance that I really took a deep breath of freedom from what I had left in Oklahoma. I just felt like there was a whole new beginning. Those lungs felt good breathing in that air, didn't it? It did. And then we played a full 90 minutes of soccer and <laughs> I was ready to go home and have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me if you could go back and talk to that kid, little Robbie from Oklahoma. What advice would you give him? Oh, um, I think it's, you know, uh, the advice that we all look for, um, just to kind of trust your gut instincts, uh, be a little more uh, proactive, be more confident, um, you know, uh, 
it was just such a difficult time, you know, in the 80s and the 90s because everything started coming out in the papers and then people were, you know, hiding things and not talking about things. And then, you know, it just, it just looked like there was so much of the weight of the world. And then, you know, people were coming out and especially the church was saying, you know, this is uh, God's way of like wipe, wiping out the gay community and uh, it's a gay disease, which it's not. Uh, and so um, I think for me, just looking back, uh, I would have said, you know, uh, be confident, um, trust your instincts, um, you know, do the right thing and be with the right people. And, um, you know, there are going to be times where it's going to be a challenge, but it, once you, you know, jump that hurdle, then you're going to be in a better place. Thank you, Robert. Uh, and thank you for listening this week to Out With Jimmy. Remember, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe, and I will thank you for that. Also, big thanks to WTOP and Julia Ziegler for allowing us to record in these beautiful studios. And remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them. So go ahead and do it.